All right, so this week we had a, a, a gas leak in my house. And uh, if you, it's, I've, always, I've actually always wondered what that would be like. I've, I've, um, I'm a bit of a hypochondriac, and so I'm like, I think we probably have a gas leak. Um, and I just imagine that going a lot of different ways. My, every time my carbon monoxide alarm goes off, I'm like, this is the real time. It's always like the battery. I'm like, this is the real thing. Get down or get out or something, break the windows. Uh, we actually did have a gas leak in our house this week. and. Um, what, what we, you know, I was like, okay, I'll call the gas company. We talk offline, don't call the gas company first, call a plumber, it'll save you a lot of money. Um, and, uh, but let's talk offline about that. For now, I just know that we got the gas turned off, okay, and so that was a win because we have like a six week old child. And, uh, and so we don't, I mean, for not just because of babies, adults can't survive whatever happens when gas explodes, okay, so it's not good. Uh, but we got it turned off and then we had to jump through these hoops to get it turned back on. Uh, it wasn't just like, oh, you get it turned off and then you get it turned back on. There's like a permit that has to be pulled and uh, blah, blah, blah. Next thing you know, 24 hours later, we got it turned back on. Uh, But uh, like, of course, we could have chosen to not turn it back on. Right, so the way that it works, it's not up to us. It's like a valve or something in the city turns on the flow of natural gas into our home. We could have not uh, gotten that turned back on, um, but until we did, I could turn on the hot water in my house, but it's not gonna be hot, right? This is, obvi- this is obvious to you, like it's obvious to everybody. Just because you turn on the hot water knob doesn't mean hot water comes out. And I actually can turn on my heater on my little thermostat, I can say, hey, uh, I'm gonna set the temperature and make it warmer in here, and it will blow air, but it will not be warm air. It needs something, uh, some kind of fuel that can power that heating. It needs something that can change the environment in my house. And, and honestly, the pipes for the gas and even the mechanisms, the thermostats or the hot water faucets, they are powerless to actually change anything. Okay, and so I was, I was reminded of that because we, we got back home and they turned on the gas and as soon as they turned on the gas, we could turn on the heater and it would change our home. It would change the environment. It would heat our home. And, and this is the way that it is with walking in worship. Okay, that's what the series that we're in. And, and, and this is the way that it is with walking in worship, living lives of worship, seeing our lives changed and shaped by the gospel and becoming the people that Paul is describing in Ephesians 4 through 6. It's, it's this way. And what, what do I mean? Uh, I mean, Paul has taken chapters 1 through 3 and laid a foundation for worship in our lives. Uh, how do we come to be in Christ. There's one imperative, one directive that, God, that Paul gives us in Ephesians 1 through 3, and it's to remember. He doesn't tell you to do anything else. And then all of these other like 40 directives, imperatives, are, are all after 4 through 6 or during 4 through 6. Okay, so it's one thing after another that you're told to do in 4 through 6. You're told to walk in unity and holiness and love. And now in this next section, you're told to walk in wisdom. But how do we actually do it? Like, how does change come to happen in our lives? How is our worship heated up, so to speak? Because just having the pipes and having the directives, that doesn't actually accomplish, doesn't change anything, doesn't change you to be able to live a life of worship. Do you track with me on that? And so John Mayer 
He, uh, so my first daughter, we listened to a lot of Ed Sheeran, and that's what we would dance to together. And now uh, my second daughter, I feel like she's more of a John Mayer gal, okay? So we're still trying to figure out what that means. But, uh, she, you know, she's seven weeks old, but I can just kind of, that's what we listen to when it's just her and I. And, uh, but John Mayer, he asks some good questions sometimes, okay? He does ask some good questions. And uh, he asks in the song, it's called In the Blood. He says, I can feel the love that I want. I can feel the love I need but it's never gonna come the way I am. Could I change it if I wanted? Can I rise above the flood? Will it wash out in the water or is it always in the blood? And so John Mayer, he's wrestling with this. He's, he asked, he kind of goes through and tracks his actually family, his family history through the song and is like, am I, gonna, am I destined to be this way? Am I destined to be that way? Can I actually become somebody different? And, and that's what we're asking today is can we actually change in our worship as human beings? Not, not like the, the kind of outline of it or the contours of it, but the actual filling of your worship, living a life of heated worship. It's kind of what we're talking about when we're talking about a revival of joyful worship. We think about it kind of like this heated core. Um, and uh, and can, how can it actually be heated? How can we be changed to live a life of worship? And, and that question of change and implementation, so to speak, is not restricted to the Christian life. It's, there's actually this area of science I learned about this week called implementation science. Has anybody heard about this? Okay, yeah, okay, all right. We can talk, I'd love to talk about that later. It's like, nerd out, I'm with me on that, okay? It's an entire area of science that's trying to understand how to get good solutions to actually be implemented into people's lives. Okay, because like all over the map, especially in healthcare, people are like, hey, we have a really good, this medicine works, but you're not taking it, right? So this thing would change you, but you're not actually engaging with it. It's called implementation science. And... Um, Amazing discoveries leave people unchanged because it never makes its way into their lives. And the gospel is the most amazing of discoveries, that God has in Christ set his affections on you, that he loves you, he's adopted you into his family. And this news does not just stay there, it actually changes you, uh, but uh, we're not experiencing the power of it on a day-to-day basis. I, I, I mean, at least that's me. Maybe, maybe you are, maybe you're experiencing day in and day out the fullness of God's power towards you in the gospel. And that's, that's amazing because we're all going to feel the goodness of that soon, okay? Um, but our worship, like my house this last week, it has gospel piping, but no heat oftentimes. And, uh, and so how can we actually have heated worship? How can we actually live the things that Paul is telling us? Hey, when you're in Christ, live like this. How can we do that? And uh, what you're going to hear in this message, is, it's a try, we try to just give you one thing to hold on to. One thing, if you're just walking away with this one note, it would be that you can only walk in worship when you are being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so you can only walk in the worship that Ephesians is calling you to walk in. You can only do that when you are being filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay. And so we're going to work through the message like this. It'll be, why do, we need to be fi- why do we need to be filled? What does it mean to be filled? And what does it look like when I'm being filled? Okay, why do I need that? What does it mean when I am, like, what does that actually mean to be filled? And then what does it look like? How's that going to show up in my life when that's happening? 
And uh, we'll be in Ephesians 5, starting in verse 15. So if you have a Bible, turn, turn to Ephesians 5, 15. We'll have verses on the screen behind me, or if you want to just look at it for yourself, which I'd encourage you to do that. Look at it, not just today, but a bunch of times. I tried to look at this text a bunch of times this last week, and so I'd encourage you to do the same thing. And you can see it, on, see it on the screen, but also grab a Bible from the back. If you don't have a Bible, you can grab one and give it to a friend, or just take it, just read it, whatever you do, Okay. So Ephesians 5, chapter 15. Remember the first, first thing, kind of big heading that we're under is why, why do we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Okay? So look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. So we're gonna kind of read and talk, read and talk. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but it's wise. He's just coming out of a section telling you that there, you can walk as a child of light or you can walk in darkness. And so he's saying it's really important how you walk. You need to uh, walk in a particular way, wise, not unwise. We've been watching a lot of um, Moana in my home lately, okay? It's probably uh, January to February is tough for us. It's like gray. I think we're kind of like sun, sunshine addicts. And so it's like... Maybe I can just watch this movie and that's based in like a, a Hawaii type place because that's where I want to be. Um, and uh, so we watched a lot of Moana, but her big discovery, if you haven't seen Moana, that's not part of your daily uh, intake like it is mine. Um, she makes this discovery that her people are voyagers. She, she has this big aha moment where it says, we, are, we were voyagers, we were voyagers. And uh, her big, like what she's doing throughout the course of the movie is kind of becoming a wayfinder, figuring out, figuring out how to navigate as a voyager. And, uh, and the truth is that we're all voyagers. That's why Paul is telling us, walk in a certain way. You're on a voyage. You're on a journey. You're on a pathway somewhere. You are with your lives moving in a direction. You may not realize that, but you are today moving in a direction with your life, okay? So you need to do that not as unwise, but as wise people. And then he goes on, he says, making the best use of the time. And so... That, that making the best use of the time is like kind of redeeming every moment, uh, taking advantage of every opportunity that you have to live, to live wisely, to chart a course of worship, okay? So if we're gonna, like we need to be filled because uh, he's, I'm working through that with you. We are carefully walking, carefully living, making the best use of our time. Why do we need to make the best use of our time? Because the days are evil. Do you see that? It's like such an interesting phrase, because the days are evil. And uh, the, the, the way that, that the language plays out there, I think the, one of the best ways of trying to understand that is because the, the current of these times are opposed to God. The world that we're living in, just so you know, this is not how it all will always be. And that should be like a sigh of relief down in your soul, right? Like, it's not how it will always be. Okay, and so uh, these days, the current that we're voyaging in, this uh, path that we're on, it's, there's, there's currents that are opposed to God. Okay, the days that we're living in are opposed to God. That's what evil is. Evil is just the absence of God. And so you're going to drift, you're, well, I guess you're not going to drift towards a life of worshiping God. You're gonna drift towards a life of worshiping anything else. And so he's, he's saying you need to pay close attention. 
uh, not worth our time, but he, it's, it's look, look at how carefully you should walk is kind of how the language is playing out. Look how carefully you should be walking. Pay attention to how careful you need to walk. Uh, this is not an accidental life that we're called to live. Uh, there's an intentionality in your time uh, will kind of reflect how it is that you're navigating life, okay? And you're not gonna drift towards worshiping God. You're gonna drift towards worshiping anything but God. And then he tells us, he gives us this in verse 17. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, which is basically verse 15 repeated in a different like phrasing, okay? And so he says, uh, therefore, in light of the days being evil, don't be, a, don't be a fool, don't be foolish, but understand what God wants for you. Okay, and so God's plan is what wisdom, if you take 15, verse 15 and verse 17, put them next to each other, God's plan is wisdom. You wanna know what wisdom is? It's living, it's living rightly according to reality. It's living uh, in, in accordance with what is true, okay? And, uh, and so uh, God's plan is wisdom. And if you're, tr- sometimes we wrestle, like God's plan always comes up for us or God's will whenever we're making decisions about our career or about relationships or about this next step in life. And I think a lot of times we miss God's will in the moment to moment. And, and 1 Thessalonians says it really clearly. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 says, for this is the will of God. Okay, you should be on like the edge of your seat if you're like, what's next? This is the will of God. Inspired word of God says this, this is the will of God. What is it? your sanctification. That's the end of that verse. You wanna know what God wants for you, what God's will is for you, what wisdom looks like? Sanctification. What is sanctification, big, big like theological word? Okay, it's being conformed more and more into the image of Jesus, having your worship refined to be more and more focused on trusting and treasuring God alone, okay? And so instead of, sanctification kind of sounds like a, a not fun word, okay? It sounds like, that, that sounds kind of boring. Sanctification seems less, fun. if you had to vote on like, what sounds more fun, sanctification or not sanctification? I think you're gonna vote not sanctification. That seems more fun, right? That's what, every, that's what the world's telling you. Hey, live carpe diem this season, man, because you need to live it up. These are the best days of your life or whatever they're gonna tell you. And, uh, but the reality is, is don't, he's saying don't be fooled, don't be, don't be foolish. God's not trying to rip you off. And so, some, some people in here need to be reminded that God is not trying to steal your joy and rip you off. If we're walking in God's will, we're actually moving towards the fullness of joy is what Jesus would say. And so instead, your life is actually, when we're, when we're connected in, we're navigating life according to God's will, what he wants, we're actually being connected not into a story, but the story, the story. What I mean, Ephesians 1, 7 through 10, uh, we, we studied that in the first in, in, uh, foundations of worship. It says, in him, in Jesus, when we're sanctified, when we're uh, connected and redeemed through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which God lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us, in Jesus, God has lavished upon us the riches of his grace in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will. It's another like aha moment of what is God's will? 
according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. So what is God's plan? What is the will of God to unite everything in Jesus? That's, that matches up perfectly with our sanctification, being reconciled to God and conformed into the image of Jesus, okay? But why do we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Why, like, how does the Holy Spirit come, come into this equation? Because we've been talking about uh, this, this kind of uh, path that we're walking on, this voyage that we're on, and how there's these opposing currents, and we need to be conformed and know God's will. Okay, so what does that have to do uh, with being filled with the Holy Spirit? It says, so th- there are currents in this life distracting and derailing your worship. There are currents in this life distracting and derailing these, uh, your worship, and these days are evil, but God's will is good but we can't do it, we can't align ourselves with it, we can't live in that will on our own. That's why we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can't, do, you can't actually live this out, any of these things, without the power of God's Holy Spirit, and you were never meant to. If you even look at Jesus, think about Jesus with his disciples when you're considering why we need to be filled. Jesus with his disciples, after he had been resurrected from the grave, okay, so I think at that moment I feel like, hey, I got everything I need, I got all the data points, Jesus' life, death, resurrection, he's out, okay, so now let's take it to the world. That's not what happens next. Jesus says, hey guys, sit tight for a few minutes because unless the Holy Spirit comes and and actually empowers you to do this, you're gonna mess it all up. So he says, don't even leave, just sit tight. And then the Holy Spirit's gonna come, and when he comes, he's gonna light this place up. He'll give you the power to actually live this thing out. Um, And then here's what's crazy, is that Jesus didn't even live a life of worship without the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you know that? If you just pick one of the Gospels and read through it this week and just trace every time that Jesus does something, not in his own power, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. That is fascinating. So, so, it's not just that Jesus is this, Jesus lived on the power of the Holy Spirit, and so God's people have always needed God's power to accomplish his purposes. And you won't get very far without the Spirit's power. power. You'll turn to something. You'll turn to something to help manage, to help deal with the evil days that we live in. You'll turn to something. And so what does it mean to, be, to turn to the Spirit, to be filled by the Spirit? Verse 18, uh, it says, and, don't, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Okay, read it, just read it one more time. This is Paul's, and this is, this is a command, it's not like a, an idea that Paul has, he's, he's writing in the, in the, inspired by the Holy Spirit, here's a command for you to obey as a believer in Jesus. If you're in Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is a command for you. He says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Don't get drunk, but be filled. And so, uh, I actually read uh, George Whitfield preach a sermon on this passage, and he like hammered on the drunk part of that. And I, I have no room talking to George Whitfield, who's like a famous pe- preacher, like revival preacher to the max, like amazing. But I, I don't think this verse is, is about getting drunk. It's true, like you shouldn't get drunk. That's definitely not making the best use of your time. That's what he means when he says that's debauchery. That word's kind of slippery to try to, um, to, to translate. The dissipation is another word that people use to translate that word. And it's, it's sort of like it disappears. It, it comes to nothing. 
You want to really throw your life away? Get drunk all the time. But more than that, I think Paul's wanting to see what it means to be filled by the Spirit. He's using a a contrast. Here he's contrasting these two things. And so here's what I want to do. I want to ask, what is similar about being drunk and being filled with the Holy Spirit? Because that's the we're being commanded to be filled with the Holy Spirit because this is the means by which we're going to be empowered to live a life of worship. Okay, so you got to know what that means. Don't just kind of like gloss over this and be like, yeah, I'm supposed to be filled with the Holy Spirit and go on about your, you're not, you're not going to actually do it, okay? And so you got to think about what does he mean? What is it, so what is this, what's similar? Both alcohol and the Spirit allow you to do something that you wouldn't be able to do on your own. Okay, think about it that way. On your own, you would not be able to do something without alcohol or without the, the Holy Spirit. Okay, here's what I mean. You're like, what, what are you talking about? So, so both of these would give you courage and joy. And, and now I'd say the joy that comes from alcohol is more of like a merriment. Um, it's a happiness. But nevertheless, uh, uh, people call alcohol liquid courage. Why? Because under the influence of alcohol, you're able to do something that you wouldn't have the courage to do otherwise. Go talk to that person or say that thing or whatever it is. In, in Acts chapter two, when the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit, you know what some people thought they might be? They said, these guys are just drunk because they were doing something that it seemed that they wouldn't be able to do on their own. So there's something similar about being drunk and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so there's something similar. I want, but, but what is the difference? What is the difference between this courage and joy that's brought on by alcohol and a courage and a joy that's brought on by the Holy Spirit? There's a difference, okay? And so the first thing, um, alcohol is a depressant. So if you understand how it works on your brain, okay, alcohol, when you drink alcohol, the effect that it has on your brain is actually a depressant. What that means is that it, it, it depresses cer- certain parts of your thinking, okay? It inhibits certain parts of your thinking. And so uh, ultimately, I think the, the question I'm asking is like, why, why do people get drunk? And I think that the answer would, would be almost always it's because you're hiding from something you're hiding from something. You might be hiding from a relationship, a painful relationship. You might be hiding from yourself, your failures. You might be hiding from your past or your, just your boredom. You're hiding from something. And so you're depressing parts of your thinking in order to cope with and deal with the evil days that you're living in. And to be fair on this, I don't think it has to, it's not just alcohol that does that to you. It's not just alcohol that we use that way in our lives. And it's going to be really important to understand how, how, what it is that you're using because that's the, the contrast to that is going to be the Holy Spirit. And so it might be uh, just a TV show. Quite frankly, what the Spirit convicted me of is I think Moana has functioned like alcohol in my life. Why? Because I want to go to Kauai. And it's like, man, that's funny until I'm more addicted to Moana than my two-year-old. That's pathetic and sad and kind of true. Hiding from something. It might be TV. Some of you are like, this guy's hooked on Disney shows. You know, wait till you get kids, man. I don't, I don't know. You just watch it enough. It might be TV. It might be uh, food. It might be uh, a relationship. 
anything that you can use to numb or distract yourself. Man, quite frankly, guys, uh, check yourself on this. Anything that you're scrolling through, I would second guess whether or not that's actually uh, something that's making the best use of your time or that you're just using to numb and hide. Anything that you can scroll, scroll through. Check it, see, see for yourself. Anything that we numb, uh, distract ourselves with, we're hiding from something, we're depressing our minds to keep us from thinking. But here's how the spirit is different. The spirit is not a depressant. The Holy Spirit doesn't make you think less. It doesn't make you less aware of your problems. It makes you more aware of your resources. Tell a friend of mine, a pastor named Hollins, uh, that's the way that he said that, I thought it was helpful. It doesn't make you less aware of your problems. The Holy Spirit, he makes you more aware of your resources in the gospel. And so how are we to be filled? He gives us this command, don't get drunk, okay? Don't hide using alcohol. Don't escape from problems in your life by, by taking in a substance. No, find all the resources you need by being filled with someone. So how are we to be filled by the Holy Spirit. Well, first of all, it's the, the way that that's said when he says, but be filled by the Holy Spirit. It, the, the, the tent, we only have three tenses in English, past, present, future, okay? And so uh, in this language that is being translated, there's a tense that would make this read something like, continue to be ongoingly filled by the Spirit. Do you see the difference there? This is like a always, all the time, constant filling up. And so there's a lot of conversation about being like baptisms of the Holy Spirit and how many they exist and a lot of like Pentecostal kind of conversations about the first, second, the first filling, the second filling. The scriptures don't teach any of that. They, can teach, they teach a continual filling. There's a ton of nonsense about being filled with the Spirit that exists. Like if you, like I wouldn't recommend searching Benny Hinn, uh, but if you search Benny Hinn, you can see some nonsense happening. And uh, the way I've heard it said is that's either um, silliness at best or demonic at worst. Because that's not what it means to be filled by the Spirit. We are continually, ongoingly filled up. But it's a passive Word, okay, the directive for you that you're supposed to walk out of here and live now is to be filled up. It's a passive thing that's happening. So how, and this is what I've been like kind of racking my brain about this week for you. I'm, I'm like wanting you to leave here actually and maybe even in this moment get to, get to experience what this really means, this being filled with the Holy Spirit because it's something that's passive but you're commanded to do it. And so if you had to think about what that really means in your life, what I think God wants you to do is to surrender to the influence of the Holy Spirit in your life on a moment-to-moment -moment basis. This is not an abstract, we're gonna get into the, what the details of this, but what I think God wants you to do, so I think why he has you here, if you're in Christ, okay, if you're a follower of Jesus, what I think God wants for you, the way that he's actually going to create in you a life of worship is going to be a constant surrender to the influence of the Holy Spirit, to be under his influence. Not like we're, un, like we're under the influence of alcohol, 
instead to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And so um, the, the, the way that that, I think, plays out in your life is to drink deeply of the Holy Spirit. Now, that's, that's like a super vague thing to say, but we're gonna get, here, here's what I think it means, to drink deeply. Because that, that's actually the, the language around the Holy Spirit that the scriptures constantly are using. It's a drinking language. It's fascinating, okay? And so how... Uh, how do you get drunk? Okay, this is just like, this is, we're getting a little bit tactical here, but if anybody has insight, how do you get drunk? Can you think about the answer to that? Do you get drunk by having alcohol in your house? You're like, man, I brought home a whole case of that whatever. I got so wasted. Doesn't work like that. What about if you're just around people who are drunk? Does that get you drunk? No, that's why designated drivers exist, okay? Because just being around drunk people doesn't make you drunk, okay? And then what about just looking at it? Maybe just being around alcohol, any of those things, none of that gets you drunk, okay? And so if we're trying to contrast being filled with the Holy Spirit and being drunk with alcohol, which, which Paul does, okay, how can we drink deeply of the Spirit? It's not just by being around people who have the Spirit. It's not just being in a place where people talk about the Spirit. It's not, it's not any of that stuff. Alcohol controls you when it fills you. You have to actually take it into you. It needs to be inside you to influence you. And so how can we be under the influence? How, like, I'm still trying to get more and more. What does it mean? How can we actually do this? And, and just for the record, when I'm talking about the Holy Spirit being inside of you, I'm not talking about the sealing of the Holy Spirit that happens when you are uh, regenerate in Christ, when you come to put your faith in Jesus, when you come to life for the first time in the gospel, when the first time you hear the gospel and you think, that's me and I need that and I'm going to receive this good news. That, that, that's the work of the Holy Spirit in your life and he seals you in that moment. And that's what's fascinating what Paul is saying. He's saying, he's, he's saying to a group of people who in Ephesians 1 he says, are already sealed by the Spirit. You're sealed, now be filled. Okay, so I'm not talking about just having the Holy Spirit in you. And we, we talk about like, well, I have the Holy Spirit in me. Is this just kind of some kind of weird charismatic conversation? And it's not. It's not about you having the Holy Spirit. It's about the Holy Spirit having you. Influence, control in you. We don't like to give up control. But that's exactly what the scriptures are calling you to do. Give up control to the Holy Spirit. He's gonna help you navigate a life of worship. Okay, so take it in. How can we actually take in, drink deeply of the Holy Spirit? I think there's one, one way you can be filled with his words. Some part of your flesh is gonna write off something I'm about to say, and uh, I'm just encouraging you to lean in, okay? Uh, be filled with the words of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 and Colossians 3.16 are this really interesting mirror, okay? And so I think we have them back. To, so the first one is Ephesians 5.18. We just read it. Be filled with the Spirit. He continues addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, okay? Now read that uh, right afterwards, Colossians 3.16. It's a parallel verse. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Does that not sound just like super familiar? 
Okay, the reason why is because he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, be filled with the Holy Spirit. He puts them in the same position. So if you want to be filled with the Spirit, if you want to receive, be, be being filled, then be being filled with his words. And that's not a game. That's not like a, just a quick pastor write-off of like, read your Bibles this week. I don't even actually care if you check all the boxes of your reading plan. I care if what you're reading actually dwells in you richly. Like, so, like the word for being filled with drunk and being filled, it's like being soaked, saturated. So uh, Ephesians 6.17 talks about how the, the, you know what the spirit uses as a weapon? The word of God the sword of the spirit. So if he's gonna make war on sin in your life, he's gonna use those words that are dwelling in you richly. Kind of cool, right? Okay, so then uh, this language of drinking just, it it shows up all the time, so we need to be filled with his words. Um, And Jesus says this, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Now this he said about the spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. So Jesus is talking about, hey, drink this stuff in, drink in the spirit, drink in the words. The thing about an alcoholic with alcohol, and if alcoholism is a part of your life and that's a struggle that you're walking through, we're not just glazing over that. I wanna talk to you about that. I think there's victory to be had for you in that. And that's not, we're not minimizing that problem and that wrestle that you have, okay? Or if it's some other kind of addiction that you have. But, but the, the way that an alcohol alcoholic stays drunk is that they drink all the time. And so you drink, you drink deeply by taking in his words, by remembering his intentions. Okay. When you want to know what the Holy Spirit wants to do in you, how you can be filled with him, you got to know what he's wanting to do in you. His intentions, just so you know, when Jesus says this, when the spirit of truth comes, he will glorify me. So remember his intentions. Remember what he's wanting to do in you. Remember, uh, uh, request his presence. Luke 11, nine through 13, I think we have it up there. It says, and I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who seeks, whoever, for everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, listen to this, he doesn't say how much more will your father give gifts to you. How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You want to be being filled? Take in his words. Request his presence. This is a dangerous request, but I dare you to do it. Would you request the Holy Spirit filling in your life? My daughter, the way that she's been praying lately, and I just love it because it's the most childish thing I've ever heard. But at night we're praying, and you know what she says? God, and she says it just like as loud as she can, God, will you come to my house? Man, would you just pray that? God, would you come to my house? 
That's the beauty of the Holy Spirit is that God says, I'm not just dwelling in heaven far from you or even next to you. I'm gonna come dwell in you. Would you come to my house? What if you ask him? So remember his intentions to glorify Jesus, request his presence, react to his desires. Here's what's crazy about the, the, the life of being filled by the Spirit is that you'll never again have a desire without a, without a conflicting desire. Here's what I mean, Galatians 5, 16 and 17. But I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For the, these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Every decision you will make as a Christian uh, filled with the spirit will be in the face of a, con, a contrasting desire from the flesh. And so what you have to do is react to the spirit's desires in you. That's what it means to be, I, I truly think that this is what it, Paul's getting at. He's saying, be under the influence of the spirit. And so let his desires come to bear on your life. What are his desires to glorify Jesus? He's gonna preach the gospel to you. That's his desire is for you to get that deep down in your soul. And then here's, here's what happens when we're filled. And the reason why I'm making this our close, this is where we're gonna end. When you are filled with the Spirit, a life of worship can only be lived by being filled by the Holy Spirit. You wanna live a life of worship? You may not want to if you're like just trying to figure out who Jesus is. What I'm trying to tell you is that God's not trying to rip you off, but when you decide, hey, I wanna follow Jesus, I, I recognize what he's done, what he's finished on my behalf, and I want to do this, you're not able to do it without the filling of the Holy Spirit. And that filling of the Holy Spirit is like a continual surrendering to his influence in your life by taking in his word, requesting his presence, reacting to his desires, and then something happens in you. Okay, the, the, there's a series of participles, which are just ways of describing. So this, this directive, be filled with the Spirit, comes with all these things that follow behind it. And they are kind of the result of being filled with the Spirit. When you want to know what it looks like when you're being filled with the Spirit, it says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. That's not living in a musical, okay? That's not like you're walking around and you're just everybody you greet with like a musical note or something like that. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about this space. When we're in here, we're singing, you know why it, mat it matters? two directions, or there's implications, two directions when we worship God in this space, when we lift up our voices, when you sing to the, to the stars about God's greatness and his glory and his love for you in Jesus, you know who else that's being proclaimed to besides God? That girl, that guy, this person. Now, some of you are like, man, I hope they can't hear me. Um, but it's not about your tone or your pitch. It's about the truth of your words. And when we are, when the Holy Spirit is filling us up, mark my words, this church will be a joyfully worshiping church through song. Charles Spurgeon, he, uh, he has this really Spurgeon-y quote. 
uh, talking about uh, how he's not worried so much about uh, all this eccentric behavior in worship. He's not worried so much about that. That's one way that people can go. And again, you can kind of go down this path of like mushy theology and just really kind of outlandish emotional, emotionalism in worship, okay? And so uh, we're not gonna do that. But Spurgeon is like, I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about stagnant worship. Because that, that's when we, we're not being filled by the Spirit. We're not being captured by the Spirit about the truth of the gospel. And so we're not actually making a melody to the Lord with our hearts. And then he says, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. What does it look like when you are filled with the Holy Spirit? It means you are uh, worshipful in your song. It means that you can suffer with patience. Giving thanks for everything? We sure about that? Sounds great when things are going great. It doesn't sound so great when things are not going great. But when you're filled with the Spirit, not just randomly, but in the name of the Lord Jesus, you can give thanks for everything because the promise is there. In Jesus, God is working all things together for your good. So you can say, whatever, God, you are giving me, you are giving me grace for this moment to endure it, and you promise my good from it. That's what it looks like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And lastly, he says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submitting to one another. And so the way of tracking this would kind of be like, where, where am I not being filled with the Holy Spirit? Hey, where's their pride and arrogance in my relationships? Where are they marked not, not marked with the humility to submit to one another? Where is there pride and arrogance in my relationships? Where is there a lack of gratitude to God for my circumstances? And then where is there a song missing from my lips? Or the melody of your heart is not to the Lord. Maybe it's a melody of anger, a, a melody of despair, a melody of, of anything but joy to Jesus. Now, a bunch of the Psalms actually start out by saying, God, help me, where'd you go? But they can end with faith saying, I'm, I know you'll come back for me. So, so don't mix those up. And so what it looks like to be filled with the Holy Spirit, check, check this, who gets glory in all these things? It's a melody to Jesus. It's gratitude in the name of Jesus. It's out of reverence for Jesus. That's why the Holy Spirit is the most amazing way he's saying, I'm not trying to get you to look at me. I'm trying to get you to look at Jesus. Why? Because there is no other name under heaven by which a man or woman will be saved other than the name of Jesus. I'm doing everything to point you to Jesus and then lift him up to glorify him. Isn't that awesome? That's what it means to be filled by the Holy Spirit constantly, ongoingly, surrendered to his influence. That's what it's gonna look like, not just for you, but for us. These are plural things that are happening. That's what our church will look like when he gets a hold of us. And, uh, and so the reality is, is you can only walk in worship. We can only walk in worship. We can only see a revival of joyful worship when we are being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so that is the application ultimately today. Yes, do all those things, drink him in deeply, but ultimately the hope is that we would be surrendered to him and that he would fill us with power. It would be amazing. It'd be transforming for your lives and the lives of the people beyond our church. That's what we mean, a revival of joyful worship that advances God's kingdom in every generation. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we, um, there's just one thing I didn't mention, and you, were, and you know what it is, which is that when we um, want to be filled with your Holy Spirit, that sin in our lives doesn't, doesn't jive well with your Holy Spirit. We can't exist the same place, and so the Holy Spirit is gonna work that out of us. Would you help us come to a point of repentance where we have sin? Would you help us to be joyfully repentant in this church, Father? Confident in the grace of the gospel, repentance so that we might be filled with the power of your Holy Spirit, under your influence, able to sing and make melody to you, would you put a song in our mouths as we're filled with your Holy Spirit? Would you um, give us gratitude? Father, I, I cannot fathom just all of the challenges and all of the hard things that are being faced in this room, all of the good things. God, all of it, will we have gratitude to you in the name of the Lord Jesus? Not because of our circumstances, but because what you've promised us through them. And then would you help us to submit to one another out of reverence for Jesus? Would there be a humility between us that is otherworldly because the Holy Spirit has power over us? Would you do that in these lives? Holy Spirit, where these lives haven't been experiencing all of the fullness of you, would you come upon them in power, fill them it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.